time, time, time for some action. This is the All 32 podcast plus the Bear Necessities. Yes, we're combining both podcasts once again here. We are RealRadio.com. We're on Anchor. The movement continues. And, um, you know, just to, just to you know, lay it out quick, right here on the top of things, you know, given what the Bears are doing right now or lack of what they've done, um, you know, really, uh, you know, the early exit from the playoff situation, you know, we don't, you know, don't feel like doing as much on the Bears right now. It's the focus on them is, is not as needed as as it was in the prior weeks. So we're just uh, sort of combining both our shows like we have already done a couple times. And, uh, you know, for uh, convenience sake, uh, moderation or whatever, you know, uh, you know, just like say, just uh, making things a little easier on ourselves. You know, it's been kind of a healthy holiday season for me and uh, for Ryan as well. But, uh, you know, we still want to give you a, a little bit of what you need every week with this football stuff. And, uh, you know, when you look at the league overall, of course, we are getting to the playoff a couple weeks out now. You know, a lot of interesting things still are happening. A lot of interesting things on the board still for the rest of the league. So, you know, we're going to give you that right, you know, give you that right quick. Our thoughts on the playoff hunt, uh, the teams that are in the races, and the big games that are uh, important to those races uh, coming up this week. And like I said, we'll still give you a little bit of the business here at the end, talking about the uh, this game here with the Chiefs on Sunday night. Uh, surprisingly, that is still on Sunday night, but uh, the Bears have one more chance, it looks like, to showcase themselves on a national stage. And I think more importantly, uh, Victor Trubisky has a chance to showcase himself on the national stage against the guy who he, he's been sort of directly compared to throughout his career, uh, at least the last couple of years, uh, with Patrick Mahomes. So uh, still uh, some interesting things going on with the Bears, you know, beyond the playoff stuff with that game. But we'll get into that later. But uh, right now I got Ryan Bukovetsky on the line as always, uh, lead NFL writer, Bears writer, for VRRigoRadio.com and uh, uh, producer, executive producer for uh, the Davis show. Uh, Ryan, what's going on, man? Oh, not much, Kyle. Uh and- I guess getting ready for another great football weekend, but definitely not from the Bears' point of view. That I am just dreading. And, of course, that's going to be the national nightcap on Sunday. So hopefully uh, it'll just be a day where we get through the Bears game kind of unscathed as possible and enjoy the rest of the uh, playoff-caliber teams that are fighting for positioning going into the final two weeks. Well, yeah, it's good that it's, it's happened unscathed. It, it's, it's happened, like you say, sort of apart from the rest of the schedule. It's it's sort of good because I got a couple of things I'm gonna need to do during the day anyway on Sunday, and um, I'm glad too that it, that Watchmen is over, so I don't have to make yeah. any tough decision there. But it would right. might, it might not have been that tough of a decision anyway, especially if it was the finale, like and, and the Bears were. Just underperforming, I would have switched to that, you know, easily. But yeah, probably that'd be right around halftime when that 
finale would start, and probably by then the Bears will not be looking too good. So it would have been an easy, easy switch over, I think. Yeah, it would have been, it would have been, uh, it probably wouldn't have been that difficult, but uh, just with having that lack of, uh, lack of conflict, I, I, I could do with that anyway. But uh, like I said, before we get, we, I guess we'll talk a little bit about beforehand anyway from the Chiefs' point of view. But uh, first off, you know, let's just talk about this week. This is a unique week in the in the season uh, from the league point of view because it's the only week where they have uh, Saturday games as well as Sunday games. And um, you know, as we start off with this week, you have three games on Saturday that uh, you know all kind of figure into the playoff picture. Uh, surprisingly enough. Uh, all games on the NFL Network tomorrow at noon, starting with the Texans, currently leading the AFC South, traveling to the Buccaneers. And that's a team that, you know, you never know what you get from them. But you typically get some, uh, you know, big offense and, uh, you know, some bad defense. So, you know, who knows how that game is going to play out in Tampa Bay. And uh, in the afternoon, we got the big AFC East showdown between the Bills and the Patriots the second time faced each other uh, earlier this year. Uh, New England beat Buffalo in uh, Buffalo, but this time the Bills uh, have, have a chance for revenge in Foxborough. Bills have maintained themselves after, with their, after their quick start. They've taken a couple of bumps since then, but they still uh, look to be a playoff team, and they even have a chance still to uh, contend for we play, uh, the division uh, championship there in the East if they uh, find a way to beat New England this week. And uh, the finale of the Saturday game is Rams and 49ers, another important interdivision game there. Rams trying to hold on to some hope in their playoff situation. The Niners, of course, are pretty settled. They're going to be likely a one or two seed. Uh, disappointing loss last week to them against Atlanta, so they kind of have, you know, they should probably have an urge to want to get back on track and show, you know, show people that they're, uh, you know, not to be questioned so much among the top teams in the NFC. And it looks like there's questions for every team in the NFC right now, even the best teams. But uh, I think if the, if the Niners can uh, take down the Rams, you know, convincingly this weekend, I think that could do a lot to help out their argument of being the best team in the conference. But uh, as we look at those three three games this Saturday, you know, are, are those uh, – what do you think about those games, Ryan? Are those good enough to uh, to replace you – know, even there's going to be some college games anyway, not particularly great bowl games, but uh, are those good enough to make you forget about those bowl games? Uh, to me, no doubt about it. I mean, like you said, all three of those games have big playoff implications. Uh, starting with the first one, Texans and uh, um, I'm blanking on the team. Buccaneers, sorry about that. Uh, Buccaneers, like you said, they can they can put on an offensive show and be sometimes considered or look like the best offense in the league. I mean, they can put a lot of points on you in a hurry, and they have some injuries like Mike Evans, their talented wide receiver, is out, and Jameis Winston's been dealing with a uh, broken wrist, I believe, on his uh, throwing hand or a broken thumb, I believe. And uh, 
you don't know if maybe those injuries come to roost a little bit. The Texans, they had a horrible uh, game against the Broncos a couple weeks ago and came back with a big win against the Titans in Tennessee. And they've also been a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde type team where sometimes you get a great effort out of them and then other times they kind of just lay an egg. And this game is certainly one that they need to win to continue their lead in the AFC South because they don't want to be anywhere near the AFC wild card in that picture because that's turning out to be quite the race itself. And then obviously that next game against Buffalo and New England, that's probably the best game on the docket because that means so much for both those teams and as well as the powers in the AFC because right now the Patriots are holding on to, uh, I believe, the number two spot, but another loss and suddenly things can change really quickly for them, and they have been on a downturn. Buffalo, they've had some struggles the last couple of weeks themselves, and they don't want uh, another loss. They obviously got a big win against the Steelers to really solidify themselves in a wild card position, but they still have a chance at the division, and the last thing that they want to do is lose this game and have to go into next week fighting for their playoff lives. A win this week, they probably, if not outright, clinch a wild card spot, they'll be firmly in the driver's seat going into the final week of the season. So huge game for both of those teams. They need it. And uh, the Patriots have the first win against the Bills. So if they get another win, they would have uh, obviously that kind of tie break if that comes into any play going into the last week of the season. But uh, that's going to be a huge game. And then you look at the last game, the Rams are on their last lives really to have any shot at the playoffs. And they need uh, to get a win against the tech or against the Niners. And obviously the Niners, they need a win because they are currently at the fifth spot and they still have a chance at the number one overall seed, but they're going to have to beat Seattle and win against the Rams this week facing Seattle next week for what could be the number one seed in the division for the winner and the loser going all the way to the fifth seed. So a lot of playoff implications league-wide for all three of those matchups. So it's certainly, to me, a spicy uh, uh, set of games that they have on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. I, I got the playoff pitch in front of me now, and I, I think I said earlier that the 49ers were in the top two. I'm, I'm glad you corrected me on that one. They, yeah, they are in the fifth seed right now, though they have the same record as the Seahawks, 11-3. They lost that uh, first matchup they had. Uh, that pretty great game on Monday night last month. But, uh, you know, yeah, so as when you look at the variations of the situation, there's a there's a lot of state. That, that really, uh, it really underscores how much is at stake because the 49ers are, like I said, they're fighting to keep from being in that wild card round. And, uh, you know, they, they for such a long time, they were in that top two, you know, with the week off, you know, clear, uh, clear invitation to the divisional round, but now they're in the fifth seed, and that's not not only a wild card game, that's a road wild card game at the Cowboys currently, who have the fourth seed because they're being, uh, you know, even with their seven and seven record, they're the a uh, NFC East division leaders, uh, potential winners, and that gives them a home game in the first round you know there's been some talk about that in recent weeks about how fair that is and you know should there be some changes in the playoff system uh sort of trying to off, uh, offset that type of thing keep that from happening in the future 
You know, that's the sort of thing that it does sort of happen. It comes around every few years or so when you have a situation like this. But I think in most years, these things work out, you know, mostly fairly. And, uh, you know, you rarely have a team that's seven and seven in the playoff run at this at this point of the year. But, uh, you know, you do have a, a few of them this year in the in the NFC. Uh, the Eagles being, of course, the other one in the in the NFC East, and they, uh, that Eagles Cowboys game. That's we'll be talking about that a little bit uh, when, we, when we look at Sunday's important game. But uh, again, looking at we go into the AFC, like we said, with the with the Patriots and Bills, they those two teams occupy currently the second seed and the fifth seed in the AFC. So, like we said, Ryan, we talk about how that how that can match up with the tiebreakers and such. You know, if the Bills win this week, they're going to match up evenly record-wise with the Patriots. Both teams will be 11-4 and four after this week if the Bills win again. And uh, you'd have a one-and-one one record there. So I guess it would go to other uh, tiebreakers should they both fall evenly at the end of the season. But they say you never know how those things work. And, and the difference, again, between the second seed and fifth seed is you know, being off for the first week and having a home game in the divisional round and uh, as opposed to being on, on the road working on wild card weekend. So that's a big difference. And on top of it too, uh, you'd be on the road essentially for the entire playoffs unless you happen to be the top wild card team and play against the other wild card team, which would only happen in the uh, AFC or NFC championship round. So if you are the fifth seed, you basically have to expect not only being on the road uh, in the opening round, but you're probably going to be on the road the entire playoffs, and that can be a huge difference. Yeah, well, we've, we've seen that a, a couple times in recent years. I think uh, the Packers kind of famously did that the year that they beat the Bears in the, in the NFC Championship. You know, uh, wild card teams who didn't have any home games and made, and made the Super Bowl. You know, it's it, it's you need, you need a, a, a guy like Aaron Rodgers circa 2010 to, to help get you through something like that. That's a, that's a tough road to hope. Yeah, and uh, it's bared out by the numbers. You see how much getting that first round by impacts your Super Bowl run so much because you don't have to play that third playoff game before the Super Bowl. You get that week off to rest. And sure, sometimes that is a detriment for some teams because they kind of build up a little bit of a rust factor. But when you are this late in the year, to have a week off is a huge boost. And then you play at home and you only have to win two games to get to the Super Bowl. That's how you want to go in. So obviously, for the Niners, who were the lone undefeated team for a stretch this year when uh, the Patriots fell. So they would definitely be kicking themselves if they were the fifth seed instead of the number one overall seed. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So let's move over to Sunday's games. And uh, looking ahead, uh, you know, just let's, let's get, get the games out the way. Where we know there's there's really going to be no uh, playoff effect there, and uh, just going down the line, these are the games. Like I said no playoff effect. Panthers at Colts, uh, Bengals at Dolphins, Giants at Washington, aka the Slurs, Jaguars at Falcons, uh, Lions at Broncos, 
Raiders or Chargers. And yeah, that's it. Every other game has at least one team that's uh, lined up for the playoffs currently in it. And uh, I think one game that's sort of interesting game that jumps out early in the in Sunday games is Saints and Titans. Uh, intra you know, conference matchup there. Two Southern teams. Uh, two teams that uh, you know bring different things to the table, I guess. You know, and, and this game is going to be at uh, the Titans uh, you know, uh, in Nashville. So you, you can kind of get some random things going on when, when road teams travel to that stadium. Uh, the Saints have, you know, they've, they've sort of wavered a little bit. If They've had some interesting performances, I should say, since Drew Brees has come back. They've had some performances where he's been his old self again. Like Monday, he was amazing and beat down the Colts and was almost perfect going set another record and everything, but they've also had some a couple of disappointing performances too, aka the game where they uh you know came out completely flat against uh you know Atlanta and that's a rival, you know, blood rival for them. So I'm I'm one I'm I'm interested in seeing how they perform in this game. That's not really gonna affect their divisional status, but it is a team that's playing for something definitely in the Titans. And you know, you, when you look at you know, uh, Houston playing on Saturday. If Houston loses, then the Titans really have an opening back for them to not only uh, get themselves solid in the playoff situation again, but uh, allow themselves to play for a division title in Week 17 when they uh, have a rematch with Houston. Yeah, they uh, clearly that that win against the Titans for the Texans was huge, getting them that top spot. They still will play each other again, so it's not over for the Titans, but that was a big blow. And obviously going on the road to Houston in the final week of the season is going to be quite the challenge, along with the challenge that you pointed out this weekend, going uh, against the Saints, even though it's at home. And it's really a must-win for both teams because the Saints are in the third position right now, but they could very easily move into that number two spot. Probably not the number one overall spot, but even that is still a possibility. Um, But assuming because the Packers and Vikings will play each other this weekend, and that's a big game for both teams, obviously. If the Vikings got a win and the Saints got a win, they would move ahead of the Packers into that number two spot and maybe get as high as the number one spot, depending on the results of the Niners and Seahawks game. So they need a win to keep pace, and obviously they aren't in danger of really falling too far because they'll likely be at worst the uh, third seed, seeing as how the NFC East is just going to be some uh, some random record, essentially, with uh, a low uh, win total for either the Cowboys or the Eagles. So they don't really have much room to go down, but they definitely have room to improve. And that's why I think that they will be quite hungry to go out there and get a win against the Titans. And if you're the Titans, I mean, it's now or never. And even though they've done a great job of kind of re uh, rejuicing their season, re-energizing it with uh, the run that Ryan Tannehill has been on, but they need this win and next week's win really badly. So that's going to be a, quite the show, I would think, because both those teams – see an opportunity for their playoff positioning and for their playoff lives being the Titans. 
uh, on the line here. Yeah. Another team that's playing to keep the, the playoff hopes on uh, alive is definitely Pittsburgh. They uh, travel to the Jets. Also, that's another early Sunday game. Uh, still the same record, eight and six, as those uh, as those Texans. Uh, excuse me, yeah, as the Titans, I should say. And uh, the Texans are nine and five, just one game above those guys. Uh, so the Titans are really the only other team in the AFC that uh, has a chance to get uh, to sneak into the playoffs at this point. Uh, you're looking at a seven-team race in the AFC. The Browns are the eighth-best team right now in the conference with a 6-8 and eight record. They should not be doing anything. And the Raiders also 6-8. and eight. And then, uh, No, they're, they're technically listed in the hunt on NFL.com, on playoff picture that I'm looking at. But, uh, you know, you can't really expect either of them to get in the, in the game. Uh, you know, they, like I said, they're just – they're technically breathing by because of math. You know, they're they're math champions right now. But uh, uh, that's uh, I say that's a noon game. Steelers and Jets, another one to be to look out for. Uh, it's uh, Ravens. Ravens are at those Browns uh, on uh, another noon game on Sunday. So we'll see. That's a game where, you know, like I said, we've been, we've been going on and on about the Ravens. Uh, best team in the league right now. They're playing playing as such. They are prospective number one seed in the AFC. A chance for them to get some revenge on the Browns, one of the few teams to beat them this year, and the team who, the only team to beat them convincingly. Uh, so that, that could be a chance to shut that, that Browns thing up for good. Uh, this year for the Ravens, and uh, you know we'll see about we'll see if the Browns uh, can show any life left in them. And uh, you know they've they've been sort of uh, sort of belligerent, sort of uh, in you know they they sort of been in a defense mode this in the past couple of weeks, given some of the coverage uh, going around them, and uh, you know o, OBJ is and Landry are saying that they don't want to get out. Even though there's been reports of Browns players uh, saying to other teams, you know, get us out of here and stuff like that, you know, it's just a, like I said, a, a whole lot of mess going on in Cleveland. But it still can be a very dangerous team, and the Ravens know that as well as anyone. But uh, I said those, uh, I said it's going through those those early games on Sunday. Those are the only ones with playoff implications. Uh, going to the later games, uh, you got the Seahawks hosting the Cardinals. Seahawks, number one team in the NFC right now, 11-3. and three. They got the tiebreaker over the 49ers, like we said before. Um, and it's, you know, they've I think that they had a pretty tough game, their first game with Arizona, if I remember. So uh, it, that was in Arizona. This one's going to be in Seattle. So uh, you never you never know what could happen with those end of, end of interdivision games, and um, you know the Cardinals. I saw something this week with Murray uh, says a tweet that's uh, laid out that he's the only guy in the league with uh, three thousand yards passing and five hundred yards receiving, 
So that's uh, you know, if you you know, a lot of so much of the talk's been about Lamar Jackson, but he doesn't have uh three thousand yards passing. Uh Kyler Murray does in that uh that high octane offense that they've uh, tried to bring in uh in Arizona. Uh, so definitely you, you look at the Arizona Cardinals, that's another team that could be on the verge of uh, of spoiling something this weekend. So that may be an interesting game to check into, at least do some red zone watching there. But the big game definitely in the afternoon on Sunday is Eagles and Cowboys. And, um, you know, give give us a little bit on that, Ryan. You know, this is two teams, again, disappointing in some st- in some way, but they're, they're both here still at the end with a chance to go into the playoffs. Someone has to represent that NFC East. And uh, who do you think is better capable of uh, winning this week and putting themselves in the driver's seat? For- Good question, Co. Uh, I've been really trying to figure out both these teams for a while now. And, you know, the way the Eagles have been playing, I keep thinking, how did the Bears even lose to this team and lose to them so convincingly? They've been just so up and down all year. And they've earned that seven and seven record along with the Cowboys because they've done just the same thing. It seems like whenever the Cowboys have had a chance, especially against good teams, they've come up short in really solidifying themselves or solidifying uh, this division for themselves. So now it comes down to this game, as you pointed out, winner is probably going to be the NFC East champion, assuming nothing happens crazily in the last week of the season. So I would think you're going to see the best from both these teams. And, you know, a lot of times when we've said that about them, they've come up short. And I wouldn't be surprised if both these teams kind of go out there almost as if neither wants to win the game. Making, But I guess I look at the Cowboys as the team that probably should win this game because even though they do have an injury to Dak Prescott, you have Ezekiel Elliott, you have a solid defense, you have that great run game. This sets up for a game where they can control the clock and try to play some good defense against Carson Wentz, who's been very up and down this year. He's been a guy that's been high turn well, so they should have some chances at turnovers, and that's been a struggle for the Cowboys' defense is creating takeaways. If they're able to create some turnovers in this game and the Cowboys really do a good job of running Ezekiel Elliott, which he can get lost somehow in their game plan where he's just not even being used enough, But I think this is the game where he comes out where they see an opportunity saying, okay, if we establish Elliott and take control of this game, we're going to force the Eagles to have to really throw and and dazzle uh, offensively in order for them to win. And that's just not been something the Eagles can do. They've been so inconsistent all year long offensively. So I I think this sets up well for the Cowboys, but, uh, you know, how many times have we said this sets up well for the Cowboys and then the following uh, review, we talk about how futile their effort was. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I was wondering right quick, did did their performance last week make any difference on how you perceive them? I don't think... I don't think it necessarily would because, you know, they pretty much did the same stuff that they've done all year. They just finally did it against a winning team. But, you know, what do yeah. you think? You know, they 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 did it at home. This week they got to go back on the road uh, to Philly. 
But uh, you know, do you think that made a difference in in regards to you know maybe you know some there been so much outside pressure with that team and so much you know people uh, you know sort of putting forcing a certain narrative on this team. You think that they may have bucked back against that, and and you think that could be of importance for that team at least mentally going forward. Yeah, I'm not sure, Cal, because I, I definitely picked the Cowboys to lose that game. I thought they would come up short, and especially since the Rams were playing so well and how hungry they looked, I thought that that was a perfect recipe to play the Cowboys at this point in time. But the Cowboys came up big. I mean, they were great, really, in all three phases. And, uh, you know, Troy Aikman made a, a good point on the broadcast of uh, that Rams game where – you know, he mentioned how had the Cowboys and their losses to the or to the Bears and to the Bills on Thanksgiving and the following week against the Bears on Thursday, they had some early opportunities for field goals that they didn't convert, and it would have certainly changed the game going into the fourth quarter at the least, if not given them potentially a win had they converted on some of those. So the way I look at this Cowboys team, if they don't make a lot of mistakes, if they can keep the mistakes to a minimum, I think that that's when we start seeing them playing well. It just the problem is, can they make minimum amount of state mistakes? They seem to make so many on all three phases when they lose. So it's really about how clean of a game they play. And now after last week, seeing how clean they were able to, I think they have a little bit of confidence. And that's certainly something that was talked about after the Bears game was how this Cowboys team just looked like they lacked confidence. Now maybe with a little bit of confidence going into Philadelphia, knowing that everything is on the line for them, I would think that that sets up for them to have a really solid week. But it's hard for me to put any real um, uh, stock into the Cowboys because basically going into every game, they're almost outcoached immediately because Jason Garrett just seemingly doesn't really do anything for that Cowboys team. It's really his assistants kind of doing everything, it seems like. So if Doug Peterson, who has definitely deserved his criticism and questions, but he is a guy that has normally put his team in a position to succeed when their playoff lives are on the line, and I would expect them to kind of have a boost coaching-wise. So I don't know exactly how this one's going to play out. It, it, there's a lot of wild variables for both of these teams. But I think the Cowboys are a little bit better positioned to win than the Eagles are right now. I think definitely I would agree with you. I think the Cowboys are, are better are better right now at the moment and would be a better, uh, you know, better team going forward into the playoffs than the Eagles. So, uh, you know, let's see if this week if they can solidify that and um, – you know they win. They you know essentially is they're in uh, the Cowboys are so you know. But there's still a chance, definitely, with that team that they could you know just lay an egg and um, you know let the uh, let the Eagles right back in it for the final week. And uh, that'll you know that'll be interesting to see uh, as 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 always the case in the in the NFC. It's at least interesting, if not always good. But. Uh, um, you know that that's the that's the big game in the late Sunday games. Uh, we, we'll skip over the Bears and Chiefs. We'll go into that in our Bears segment. But uh, the remaining game, the final game, final Monday night game of the year, Packers and Vikings. This is gonna be very good. 
in Minnesota. Uh, was hoping that the Bears would add some spice to this by having the Packers lose last week. But, uh, you know, there's still a lot on the line here because, uh, you know, the Vikings could still win. And uh, as we talked about those those varying situations in the NFC and the AFC, uh, you know, right now the, the Vikings are the sixth seed at 10-4. and four. Packers are the second seed at 11-3. and three. Uh, so if you have a you have a Vikings win in this game, you have you're talking about two 11 and four teams going into week 17. Um, you know, uh, one you know two teams uh, in a split series at that if the Vikings win this Monday, and uh, you know a lot could be up in the air for next week. You know, when you're talking about the NFC North division, who's in that who's in that second seed as opposed to the sixth seed, and uh, you know. It, a lot, there's, there's a lot of fun there. I'm kind of, I don't openly root for NFC North teams unless there's specific uh, situations involved, you know, outside of the Bears. But I'm kind of rooting for the Vikings in this one. I want to see them knock off the Packers, and in particular, show that the Packers really aren't as great. A, they really aren't a two seed, in my opinion. But uh, but they've you know how things have played out this year with the scheduling and. You know, they they've done enough to get themselves in this position. I don't. I just don't know if they're going to be up, especially when you look at the performances in the last couple of weeks. Barely holding off the Bears, barely holding off Washington. You know, the Vikings actually have. You know, they don't have. They won't have Dalvin Cook this week. That's going to be a big hit for them. But they do. They do have. You know, quite a bit going for them on both sides of the ball. I guess the big question there, Ryan, uh, would be uh, Kirk Cousins. I I think it does come down eventually this game to Cousins, you know, not even Cousins against Rodgers, but Cousins against himself. And I think a lot of people are going to be looking to see, you know, what type of performance he provides and if he's going to do anything not only to keep them from losing, but to – to put them ahead of the Packers, and there's a chance for them that we we saw last week with Mitch. There was a chance for him to outperform uh, Rodgers, and in some ways, he actually did, but he didn't do enough again to put the Bears over. You know, much like has been the case all season. You know, could could Kirk Cousins be the one to put his team over? in this situation against the Packers. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, I don't have much faith in Kirk Cousins, but I, I do think the Vikings as a team are a very solid team. and They have all the components that they need to put together a, a good run, assuming Kirk Cousins played as well. So really, to me, in that game, it's just about Kirk Cousins playing well enough, not necessarily being the reason that they win, but – Part of that is kind of murky because if Dalvin Cook is unable to go, that will automatically put more pressure on Kirk Cousins. And pressure on Kirk Cousins usually equals bad stuff for whoever is the team that employs him. And I'm worried for the Vikings in that standpoint. But if they're able to, no matter what, if Cook plays or not, if they're able to put together a run game, and play the type of defense that they've been playing and not put too much on Cousins' shoulders and just have him do what they've had him do in this season, which is really just be the field man, the field general or game manager, however you want to put it. 
and just have him not lose you the game, but put uh, the defense and the run game in a position to take control and then allow Kirk Cousins to use play action and throw into some really good weapons, both outside and inside. Therefore, uh, I think it's all about uh, getting that run game going, playing good defense, and Kirk Cousins really comes in kind of third after that. Because if those two things aren't playing well, if those aspects, if let's say Green Bay is scoring a lot of points or moving the football with ease, that's going to turn into a shootout, which you don't want Kirk Cousins doing. If the Vikings can't run the ball effectively, then that probably means that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be getting on the field a lot. And for the Vikings, it's imperative that they control the clock in this game to keep that Packers offense on the sideline and just uh, just wear down this Packers defense that is solid, but they're not world beaters. They're not this dominant defense. They can do some nice things, but they are definitely a group that is vulnerable to, uh, to offenses at times. So really for the Vikings, it's about getting the, what – they need to do accomplish, which is defense, run the game, and that's exactly what Mike Zimmer wants to do as a head coach, and then put Kirk Cousins in positions to succeed. But if he doesn't have those first two things, then I don't think the Vikings really have a shot to win. Yeah, definitely. I, definitely. It's it cooking, like I say, it means so much. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the first sacks from the first game. He had 154 yards and a touchdown in that first game. So he he if he was playing in this game, he, he would have likely got some good numbers this week. But uh, like I said, they the Packers on on the other hand may they may institute a similar type of game to what you were describing. Um, you know the that Minnesota needs for success because Aaron Jones has been the man for them in as of late and. Uh, you know, he had 116 yards and a touchdown in their first game. And, you know, Devontae Adams also had a big game in that in that first game, 106 yards and seven receptions. He got back to uh feel got back in his bag a little bit against the Bears. So that could be, you know, it could it could be a little bit more scoring than you know, even you may expect in that game, especially if uh if Rodgers and Adams are feeling good uh, connecting with each other, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna. I think it's gonna come down to, like you said, the run with Minnesota and how how much can Minnesota's defense, that that nice uh, front seven that they got, can they uh, contain? Uh, can they contain Jones and can they actually put pressure on Rodgers and make him do? some things that he may not want to do. He didn't turn over the ball at all in their first game. They may want to, you know, keep they want they may want to get at least one turnover out of him in this game to uh keep the you know to either change the game or keep momentum on their side, you know, depending on how the the game plays out. But uh that's gonna be a big game on Monday. And uh big in the NFC, big in the NFC North, uh likely divide uh deciding the NFC North and um yeah, I, like I said, I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, rooting. I'm kind of rooting for the Vikings in this one. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, uh, I'm close to yelling out "skull" and putting on the helmet for a little bit. The, you know, the the Viking helmet for a little bit because, you know, who wants to see the Packers feeling themselves going into this playoff? Man, I don't. Yeah.
see what happens though. But uh, as we as as we close out this week, of course, we close out with Bears talk. Uh, this is essentially the 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 Bear necessities section of the of the podcast this week. And um, Bears Chiefs, the game didn't get flexed out of the Sunday uh, night's position for for NBC. I think this is sort of proof of two things. You know, the Bears do draw well on the national. Uh, on national games, uh, Bears have a, a nationwide audience, you know, for their games, fans all over the country. So even when the Bears aren't necessarily uh, the best team, they uh, we they find ways to get on national TV for better or worse. And, uh, of course, the Chiefs also play a big role in this because, you know, they're one of the, the highly trending teams in the league right now. And with Patrick Mahomes, they have a true star. So, uh, you know, definitely they – I think NBC wanted to keep him in a position where they could showcase him as well. And none of the other games outside of the Cowboys and Eagles really were – rose to the occasion of, of flexing out from Sunday. So, uh, you know, the Bears are back on back on Sunday at one more game to play in front of the national audience. And this is the game that could be very trying for Bears fans – because all week, we've been seeing it all week, but we're definitely going to see it Sunday. You know that NBC is going to drill this in with a bunch of uh, you know stats, uh, stat screens and everything. Maybe even some of their pregame stuff is going to go into this. But this game is essentially Mitch against Mahomes. Who's going to play better than the other? Who's going to make – is Mitch going to – make the Bears and Bears once again for picking him over Mahomes and Watson for that matter. You know, is Mahomes going to make the Bears feel like crap for not even really considering him in the 17th draft? Ryan, what do you think about that whole dynamic and that whole storyline? Well, I mean, this is, I guess, a big game for Mitch to try to continue to show that he's a guy that the team can trust for next season. I mean, the Mahomes-Trubisky debate, it's over with. Mahomes wins that debate. The Bears should have drafted him or Deshaun Watson. It's pretty obvious at this point. Because even with Mitch's slightly improved play over the last month or so, a lot of it has come against bad opponents. And even when it was against quality one, like the Packers last week, he couldn't put up any points. Uh, I mean, he put up one touchdown, and, you know, maybe that's not all his fault. There's certainly other elements, but a quarterback is supposed to really be able to boost a team, and I don't know if Mitch can really boost a team. At best, he's kind of like a Kirk Cousins where you need to put a lot of things around him, put him in the scheme that he needs to succeed and let him be kind of a game manager or a field general type, but I, I think the hard part of this matchup is just going to be hearing the uh, the different stories about these two and their connection. And you know, for the Bears, it would be great if Mitch goes out there and has a win and plays really well on the national stage because it helps them in their offseason trying to figure out what to do with that position. But if Mitch goes out there and has just kind of another subpar game, it just continues to show that you know he is really just an average quarterback. Maybe not bad. Maybe not good. He's just really right there in the middle. Yeah. Do you, do you think if 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 such a thing occurs where he doesn't really 
prove himself in such beyond that sort of level, do you think it have any impact on the Bears uh, sizing them up for the future plans? I personally don't. I think that they've already kind of decided their plan, and part of it is they really didn't have much of a choice. Um, I forgot exactly what the stat was, but I believe only two quarterbacks since the rookie uh, wage scale was put in have not been picked up with their fifth-year option. Mm. And one of them was Blake Bortles, and I forgot the other name, but it was a no-name type guy. So teams generally go into that fifth-year option with that quarterback. First of all, it's very cheap. Second of all, you invest a first-round pick. Never want to give up on first-round picks until – until the writing is just absolutely clear on the wall that they do not play for you because that's just such an important round of the draft where you have to hit, and especially if you go at quarterback, that's where you really mess up the franchise because it takes years to develop that guy, and after years of development, if he's not the guy, you got to start all over again. So I, I think the plan for next year is going to be about upgrading the guy behind Mitch and maybe push him a little bit. Not necessarily a guy like Cam or one of these bigger names where you bring him in and because of their gravitas, they're automatically going to be the starter. I think it's going to be more of a, a no-name type situation where they feel they can bring in a guy that, first of all, can run the offense in case Mitch is just not capable of doing it. But number two, give him a little bit of a push. Not necessarily a open competition. I don't know if I think they'll even go that far. But it's certainly a competition factor where it's more than Chase Daniel, where really he's just a coach that's kind of on the field. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that I didn't know about the uh, the whole thing with the fifth uh, fifth year option pickups. I, but that makes sense though, because you, you you don't really see that, especially with quarterbacks who are picked up, who are uh, picked as high as Mitch is. You don't really see teams give up on them that early. You know, for whatever reason, they, you know, they have, there's it's too much of an investment there. So, you know, with Mitch, we're, we're likely going to see him at least through that, through that amount of time here in Chicago. You know, a lot of people may not want to hear that, but, you know, he's going to be here. And, and I think, uh, I agree with you. The, the important thing about next year would be to make sure that he's not the only option for the Bears, uh, as far as, you know, being able to win and, um, you know, he, whether he gets injured or not, you know, because he, he's shown he could get injured too. That, that could be very well be a possibility, but uh, yeah. So, but you know, whether he gets injured or not, if, if you're, if you're naggy, you want to have a guy behind him, at least one guy who you can feel like if, if, if Mitch is just not playing well, I have options to to put someone behind center who can have this team win and win immediately because this team cannot it, it, it cannot they have to go into next year with more urgency than this, than they ever had because you can't expect the defense to be top ten again next year just off GP like you you, you they got to work at you know they got to work at that too. As far as uh you know the off season goes and uh you know free agency in the draft they got to work at that too to keep to keep that defense up you know. Well, I think part of the problem, Kyle, is this team obviously has talent. They're not just like when under John Fox, where it was just like they, they don't have guys, they don't have any players that are really of any talent. 
they have talent, but they have just so many holes. I mean, look at every position on offense. You can make a claim that they need to make some changes there, whether it's the running back by adding maybe some more, the quarterback, the uh, offensive line needs probably some more talent. Tight end. He's in desperate need of talent. Wide receiver, you probably need some more guys after Allen Robinson that can make more of an impact week in and week out. And then you look at the defense, like you said, there's plenty of question marks throughout because you had just such an average year compared to what was expected out of them. So this, and you look at the cap situation they have, it's very tricky. They're going to have to pay some guys or invest in some guys or let guys go. And one thing that Ryan Pace has shown a consistent habit of is getting rid of guys but not quite replacing them. Like even if the team is, let's say, average at throwing the football, you know, if you get rid of a quarterback and replace him with just some with just some other guy, you still have the same issues. And I remember with Alshon Jeffrey, Martellus Bennett, Ryan Pace sent them packing but didn't draft a number one receiver, didn't draft a number one tight end or pick them up in free agency. He's let those kind of holes grow bigger sometimes because bringing in different players doesn't necessarily fix the holes that were left over by the guy that you get rid of in, let's say, an Alshon Jeffrey or Martellus Bennett. So in that case, I, I think with the draft capital that they have so minimal, especially in the top rounds, they don't have a ton of cap space. You're just going to have to make a list of your problems and probably just try to solve the top few and just get as creative and innovative as you could possibly be because there's just not going to be a lot of resources available to fix this team. A lot of it's going to have to come from within. And that's a little bit of a scary proposition because we didn't see any type of real growth from the coaches or players. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm glad you said that's the last thing you said because, you know, it, and looking at this game, probably the last thing, last major thing we look at for this game is the coaching. And, you know, you, you have another narrative there where it could be about the Bears and, and uh, you know, buyer beware, as it were. In regards to Nagy, you know, you you took Nagy. He's this fresh face, up and coming coordinator, who may not have been completely well rounded yet, and they they sort of bought in on him early, after a couple of years, uh, you know, having a some type of command, some type of responsibility under Andy Reid, and we look at Andy Reid coming into this weekend, bringing the Chiefs in. Almost got them to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, he's got them back in the playoffs this year, another division title in the AFC West. And, uh, you know, we're stuck, kind of stuck with an Andy Reid light here in in Chicago. And that could be for a number of reasons. I think I think a primary reason myself is that he just he, – he isn't seasoned enough as a coach. And uh, that may be a situation where – I think I've said this a little earlier this year, like where he may have a fail, he may fail out and out here in Chicago and probably go to another team and have the success that he was deemed to have, you know, when he was just an up and comer under Reed. I don't know, but it, you know, as of now, he's not the coach that in entirely and in entirely, he's not the coach that the bears need. You know, what do you think about him going against his his mentor this week? And, you know, what are the possibilities that he may, you know, give his co- give his mentor a little bit of a fight and maybe even show him up? Or is he just going to 
disappointed himself and the rest of us again. Uh, you know, personally, I think the, the matchup between Reed and Nagy is pretty overblown to me. I mean, it's pretty clear that Nagy has a lot to learn as a head coach after this year. And really, it's going to be about next year because that's when we'll learn a lot about Nagy. He's been very determined to run his system to the detriment probably of the team. He's made some interesting coaching decisions that a lot of people would disagree with, but we all knew he would have to do some learning on the job eventually, and it's been this year. You know, it's hard to out-coach when you have Mitchell Trubisky and the other guy has Patrick Mahomes. A lot of times, coaching can kind of get thrown out the door when it comes to some of these things because it's not going to be, you know, maybe we'll see situationally where Nagy can kind of out-coach Andy Reid, but Andy Reid has a far better roster and far better team. It's going to be hard for Nagy especially with his team completely unmotivated now that the playoffs are uh, totally over with. I, I just don't think we're going to get a fair picture of Nagy. Or, if anything, if he goes out there and succeeds, I don't think it uh, uh, redoes what he failed at earlier in the year. So that matchup to me is just kind of a fun one. I'm much more interested in the Mahomes-Trubisky matchup and what they have to say about that stuff. But for Nagy... For him, he's going to be the head coach next year. He's got to go into this offseason with whatever plan to fix this team. And next year, it's Nagy watch. You know, you've got to show that you've at least made the adjustments with your scheme to fit the players that you have or whatever adjustments that he needs to make as the head coach. Maybe it's just having a better offseason with his other coaches. Whatever it is, he needs to have that because it's all about that for now. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Ryan. I think. Um, you know, next year is is most important <clears throat> for for Nagy and and how we observe his development, how the, the franchise observes his development as a coach. And you know, it's going to be a lot of meaning going into next year and, and what he does. But I think these two games, these final two games a year, could be a nice little uh, preview of what we could expect to see from him in twenty twenty. You mentioned how the Bears have nothing to play for. And there's been some coverage this week of the Bears and of Nagy that has, uh, you know, underscored this fact that this is really the first game that Nagy's coaching where he hasn't, there's really no stakes for the team. Like he came into a team last year that had playoff aspirations from the start. And this year there were Super Bowl aspirations for some, but definitely playoff aspirations for everybody. Uh, you know, save a couple of national writers who really were ahead of the game and said that the Bears were going to, uh, you know, be a, a lesser team this year. But uh, if overall, there was definitely at big aspirations for this team going into each year that Nagy has had. And, you know, this is really the first game where there's really nothing to look forward to. And I think if you look at, you know, we – we looking at the what we see this this week and next week, the effort that's put in by the team, how inventive they are, how you know how scrappy they are. If they if they show any of those good traits that we would like to see from a guy, uh, then like like Nagy, who has you know been a, a positive sort of rah rah guy in some ways. You know, if they can, if they could feed off of that energy in some way, I think that would be a good thing f for him. 
uh, that would be a, a positive uh, sign for his future. But if the Bears are flat in this game and and then the next game against Minnesota, if they are uninterested, if they seem like they've tuned them out, uh, then that's going to be a very bad sign. And, uh, you know, we, we just – I think there's a lot to be monitored over this next couple of weeks in regards to how his messaging is getting across to his team and what's it doing to affect their play, you know, at least their effort, if not their execution. We've we've There have been plenty of issues with execution this year that's been established. But those things can be fixed. I think if, if this team is tuning him out at this point, that's something that uh, is going to be less – less able to uh it's it's harder to fix you know quite frankly yeah um you know we gotta see i don't know if i necessarily believe that it's tough because with coaching you can't make players you know do things that you want as a coach you have to expect them to go out there and play and perform and, uh, you know, players are humans. Maybe a lot of guys check out regardless of the message that Nagy's giving because they are ready for the offseason. Whatever it is, you know, we want to see positive signs of this team being mentally prepared and playing like they still are in the playoff hopes. But if they're not, I'm not sure if that's necessarily a damning sign on Nagy because if anything, it just it reinforces the damning signs that we've already seen where – they had their opportunities, especially earlier in the year, to be in a much better playoff position and still competing. But they weren't able to get the victories that they needed to, and they didn't play well enough. And obviously, that's mainly on the players, but the coaches have earned their share of problems. Yeah, so uh, that's that's pretty much it. What we got for uh, the Bears and Chiefs preview uh, coming up Sunday. Another chance, like we said, for uh, Trubisky and Nagy to uh, prove themselves on a national platform. That Sunday night game. Hopefully, they uh, rise up to some sort of standard that the Bears would like uh, out of their franchise guy and their coach. Uh, we look at people who have lived up to some standards. Uh, you could definitely uh, mention the Bears, three Pro Bowlers uh, at, in that group. Uh, another three Bears uh, named to the Pro Bowl this week. Uh, Cordell Patterson and the special teams. Eddie Jackson and, of course, the Mac, Khalil Mack on the defense. Um may you know there've been some, there've been quite a bit of talk this year about Mac and his not having uh the same sort of numbers, you know, those eye popping numbers that he had that he had in twenty eighteen his first year with Chicago. Um I think you know you can you can look around online. There've been some reports people have gone into, you know, gone beyond the numbers and 
have shown that, you know, Mac has still been very uh, dangerous and uh, very much a productive uh, defender this year with the Bears. He's, you know, he's dealt with a lot of double and triple teams routinely this year because of uh, injuries and uh, not much depth, not as much depth as we hope to see with the Bears, especially in that uh, pass rushing uh, situation with their with their ends and everything, and you know, uh, Keem Hicks made a missing most of the season has made a big difference too. Uh, you know, with that in regards to people, defenses, offenses, I should say, focusing on Mac. Uh, you know, but you know, he's still one of the most. You know, you could argue that he may have gotten in on reputation this year, but uh, you know, hey, that's that's. Are are we are we really saying that he, Mac is not still one of the best defense defenders defensive players in the NFL? You know, if you want to say that, you got to back it up, and I don't think nobody could back the back up such a claim. So, uh, you know, him getting into another Pro Bowl, you know, is not the worst thing. I would say that, uh, you know, out of the Bears, uh, Pro Bowl selections, to any you know any. The, the only disappointing thing, the only uh, you know, possible uh, def, possible uh, oversight was definitely with Allen Robinson, and um, you know, I had to look up the numbers with with him compared to the other receivers in the NFC. But I don't think that there were many who outplayed him this year, outperformed him. So if you wanna, I think if you wanna argue about something regarding the Bears Pro Bowl picks. That's the way to go, uh, you know, man. And I think eventually, I think eventually Robinson will probably get in as one of those backup situations, or you know, uh, you know they had that last year with the Bears. They had a number of players who were named to the team in December, the initial uh, uh, Pro Bowl team, and then a, a few others, including Mitchell Trubisky. Interestingly, interestingly enough, got on, you know, as replacements. Uh, later in in January as such, so uh, hopefully hopefully AR will get on to the Pro Bowl in some way, uh, because he deserves it definitely, and I think that's the only that's the only issue I would have in regards to the Bears in there, um, you know these announcements with the Pro Bowl, you know definitely Cordell deserves it. He was uh he's one of the best returners in the NFL, and he did a great job this year, really. At you know, at times being one of the only focal points of uh, energy from the Bears' offense or their special teams, and um, I guess with uh, Eddie too, I guess you can you can make an argument that he got in off of reputation in some ways. He wasn't you no, know, I guess his the role that he was given into putting into this year being more of a hybrid free and strong safety and not being a guy who was so much being a being placed into the back uh you know high and high in the defense and picking off uh you know balls and stuff like that you know he 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 wasn't he wasn't the fast Eddie of last year who was uh you know or the, or the first year even too who was really you know making big plays that were uh showing off his talents in that way, highlight plays and stuff like that. But you no, know, he you no, know, he was uh he executed again and he was 
you know, he's a talented guy. And again, a, a guy who I don't think you can argue is not among the top defenders in the NFC. So, uh, you know, he's a, uh, yeah, he's, he, I wouldn't argue against him either. Let's, I think let's just be uh, proud of him and, and Khalil and Cordell and proud of the fact that they get to represent the Bears again this year. And I think, uh, you know, as I look at uh, the support from Windy City Gridiron, uh, they mentioned Gold, Eddie Goldman, defensive tackle, Kyle Fuller, and Tariq Cohen as were listed as alternates. So uh, maybe, like I say, there would be some uh, – maybe some more representation for the Bears. And I'm hoping, you know, beyond those players that uh, Allen Robinson definitely gets a look as well. Uh, but they say he wasn't even mentioned as an alternate, unfortunately. I don't understand that. I think I got to look at those wide receiver numbers and see where he measures up. You know, he already has 1,000 yards, 83 catches, with seven touchdowns. Um yeah, Wade Green Iron, in fact, says that he ranks within the top 15 of all three of those categories. So I'm guessing that's the top 15 league-wide and not just in the NFC. So, you know, I don't know. But um, like I said, Pro Bowl can be kind of funny as far as the voting because you have the players uh, voting and players may have some sort of, gen- of agendas and everything. And, you know, they know, of course, a lot about their their fellow players, but – you know, you can get certain agendas and everything and stuff that they want to see happen specifically that involves their voting as well as the voting of, uh, you know, the the people and everything who have our bias. You know, we have our biases as well as fans and media. So, you know, that's what it is. But uh, like I said, congratulations again to the Bears Pro Bowlers. And, uh, you know, hopefully that uh, gives them a little something sweet to uh finish off this season that has been you know not very you know very bitter in a lot of ways but uh you know we keep as we keep on as bears fans and as nfl fans and hopefully uh as both we gave you a little something here this week to work with that uh you like going into this weekend so uh you know enjoy your football on saturday and sunday and monday if you want, if you're catching that uh, Vikings uh, Packers clash, and uh, yeah, hope enjoy your Christmas too. Enjoy your um, holiday. You know, we should, we, we likely won't be, you won't be likely be hearing from us until after Christmas. So uh, definitely have a have a very merry one and enjoy uh, everything that goes on this weekend. Uh, you know, Ryan's rushing out to see Star Wars. That's why he's not with me here at the end. So, um, you know, if you're a Star Wars freak, enjoy that. If you're excited to see Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live like I am, hope you enjoy that. Um, You know, yeah, shout us out, man. If if anything that's interests you this week as regards to football or pop culture or anything, you know, we'd love to hear from you on uh, WeAreRegalRadio.com, on our social media, or our, uh, on Anchor, of course, uh, anchor, anchor.com slash regal-radio. You can listen to all of our content on sports and entertainment and whatever. And uh, you know, we'll definitely have some more coming up for you 
more shows and more special podcasts coming up for you as the end of this year and this decade nears. And uh, we're going to a new one. Uh, we're going to give you more uh, fresh stuff coming up uh, quite a bit down the pike. So uh, you know, keep up with us, support us however you, however you can, uh, you know, uh, repost, link, you know, throw out links, recommend us, uh, give us good ratings, show us love. Once again, uh, show us love and we'll show it right back. And, um, yeah, uh, we'll talk to y'all next week. Talk to y'all, I guess, say, sometime before the new year. Hope you enjoy, uh, this show and everything else we do. We are RegalRadio.com. We're on anchor. Thank you.